everyone and good morning and welcome to another edition of live stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to get started with some music to allow others to join us online. And we are also thankful for the group here as well in church. Here bright and early this morning <laughs> to be able to participate. Let's start with some music. Marvin Winans and Karen Clark Shear, Jesus is Lord. This was at, during a television tribute to Andre Crouch. Thank you so much for being here. Twenty-fifth annual Seller Awards promoted, I guess. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Brother Roscoe. Bless you. Hope you're feeling better. Sunday of 2023. Hey, Bev, good morning. Amen. Amen. That's why we're here. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is 
Amen. Amen. Praying you're doing okay. Good. Amen. Appreciate you being here this morning. Marvin Winans and Karen Clark Sheard. Karen, you heard at the end of it. Jesus is Lord. Tribute to Andre Crouch. And thank you again, uh, praise team, for music for this morning. As always, we appreciate it very much. We know that we can stay on the air now. (laughs) That's the the most important thing. Um, Let's go through some announcements real quick uh, before we get started with today's uh, Sunday school. We've got... um, a message available online on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, and it will also be available on the group page as well, too, later on. Uh, the message to, uh, today, Is There Such a Thing as Luck, is the title of the message. And uh, that will be also presented live here in church as well, too. But for those who can't make it to church today, it will be available. It's available right now, actually, online. It's on the timeline. And uh, I think I posted it twice. Uh, it'll be there at about 10:15 again <laughs> for the same thing. So, um, going the only thing about Facebook is just they they change stuff around in there, and it's like you don't even know when the changes happens until you push a button. It's really something else. But no worries, it's going to be available. It's available now. Um, we also uh, appreciate everybody who's making it out to church today. Today is going to be a good day. Today we've got a um, sunny day. That's the good thing. It's going to be sunshiny today for, instead of all those clouds all the time. So that's beneficial as well, too. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, absolutely do uh, want to make sure that everybody is you know, looking at and praying about giving um, through worship through giving. And that's something you always pray about. We, of course, have utilities and bills that be taken care of here. but And also any benevolence that needs to take place, we need to be prepared for that. So... We appreciate everything that and anything you can do to contribute to help out with that. Um, we only we mentioned it every week just once. We don't make a big deal out of it, but um, please make sure if you're mailing your tithes or offerings, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 
44320. We appreciate you doing that as well, too. And with that in mind, we are now ready to get into Sunday school. We have a continuation, sort of, so to speak, um, but we're covering new verses today in the book of John, chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. Uh, John, chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. One thing that we want to uh, have as a takeaway here on this particular section is that we're going to see Jesus pretty much doing most of the dialogue uh, if, uh, as far as what's happening. There is a one section where the crowd is going to respond to what he's saying, but he is going to be very conscious in making sure that people understand that he has a message to convey and he has a message to speak of and he is being obedient to the Father. Of course, when you um, all of the men were required to go to Jerusalem for these different festivals, um, but we need to understand that he's not just doing it for that reason. He's doing it because he's being obedient to the Father. He's doing it because, indeed, uh, that's what the Father would have him to do. And so I want to make sure that that's been made very clear as well, too, when we look at this particular passage. Um, there is a lot to be said here about what Jesus is saying. And we're going to see how a lot of people um, struggle with and fight with conflict internally where people, you know, they'll, they'll make a declaration, but it doesn't hold for them or it, there, there is a, an ex, there's no exceptions to be made for other people. But the bottom line here is that Jesus is going to call to the attention something that's very, very important. Uh, for, for people to kind of weigh those other people in the crowd, to weigh what these religious leaders were all about. But let's go ahead and get into the reading of the word, and we're going to kind of go over this passage bit by bit. Uh, a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss, but let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer first, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to now look at your word, and Lord, speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, your wisdom and knowledge are what we crave we desire we want to hear from you and lord not my words but your words we pray lord that you'll just bless us now as we have a greater understanding of what jesus is doing as he's communicating to his people and when he's communicating to these people he's also communicating directly to us we thank you for that truth as well too bless us and keep us lord now in Jesus' precious name amen all right everybody turn your bibles and electronic devices to john chapter 7 we're going to start with verse 14. And what we're going to do is we're picking up uh, where you'll remember last week, for those of you who were with us, we were uh, speaking about the preparation of the people going to the Festival of Shelters, Festival of uh, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths, all the different names for it, but essentially it's the same festival. And they were going. Um, Jesus was speaking to his brothers and they were kind of uh, mocking him a little bit because they didn't believe in him. And that just kind of set the stage for what's going on. But Jesus, we were talking specifically last week about the timing of Jesus going and when he had to go. We're going to pick up with that because he did make his way to the festival and he did uh, indeed start to teach because that was him being obedient to the father, this teaching that was taking place. So let's start by reading John chapter 7, verse 14. We'll take it all the way through to verse 24. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. Follow along in your own version, please. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. 
the people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? They asked. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Verse 17, anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Verse 19, Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. Verse 20, the crowd replied, you're demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses's law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. All right, that's John chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. And I think that that last sentence, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly, has a lot to do with how we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to make sure that we are looking at how we live our lives in comparison to what God's word says. Look beneath the surface. Look within yourself. Uh, we don't have any way of knowing other than looking at someone's life themselves, that that person is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't be 100% sure, because sometimes people do what? What does it say earlier? Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. And they'll use God's word to say things to make themselves sound clever and cute and acceptable, but at the end of the day, they're not following Jesus because they're self-serving. It's amazing how egos and attitudes have everything to do with keeping people away from Jesus. Being self-centered, that's something we have to take into account here. And the crowd, the people that are in the crowd... It's not the entire crowd that wants to kill him, and we'll kind of look at that more closely. There's a certain group of people there who are threatened by Jesus' existence, his very appearance in the temple, his teaching in the temple. He's getting all eyes on him and virtually no eyes now on the religious leaders. And if anything, there is questioning as far as what's going on. So there is a lot of conflict taking place. So Jesus went up to the feast not because of the worldly policy, but because he was led by his father's will. Are we living and acting according to God's will? The father's will. It's all about the father's will. As we pray every day, we should be always praying to be in his will. That should be a common prayer for all of us. Our desire should always be to be in his will. That's what we have to do. And that's a necessity for us to do that. 
if we're not doing that, then we need to make sure that we understand that we should be very cautious about making sure that we're just not looking at our own self-interests when we live our lives and when we do things. So we need to be doing the Father's will. We need to be on guard against unspiritual advisors. Unspiritual advisors. We've heard the term spiritual advisors before, which who is a spiritual advisor? Pastor, elders, those people in authority, usually within the church, right? Anyone like that, those are our spiritual advisors. But even the spiritual advisors know we don't know everything. We have to go back and pray about stuff, too, and seek stuff out in Scripture if we're not sure of the answer. And we don't just start popping off and talking like we know everything, because that would be anything but being humble. But now we're also being told, be on guard against unspiritual advisors. And we have to wait until and not listen to any other messages out there other than the ones that God gives to us when God speaks to us and discern those things that are being said. You can go a lot of different places today and get advice. And some of that advice is going to be very good advice and some of it's not going to be so good. We have to discern, don't we? We have to make sure before we just do things that we discern what's the best advice for me. Because what applies to one person doesn't apply to another person. So we always keep that in mind as well, too. But definitely not listening to people who are full of themselves, make themselves more important, be polite, be courteous to them, and say, have a great day. But at the end of the moment, you don't want to take that advice. Okay. Here's something that's very important for us to understand, too, as far as ascertaining whether our Lord's words are about God himself are those of a teacher, a human teacher, or really God's. First of all, be willing to do what God says. Be obedient to his word. If you're giving me giving giving information about God's word. Be obedient to it. Do exactly what Jesus was doing when he was fulfilling his role here on earth. He went to the temple and began to teach. It was natural for Jesus to go to crowds and speak and teach. That's what he was called to do. And so we need to understand that we need to make sure that if we hear what God's word is and we understand it. You want to make sure that you're interpreting what's being said to you and making sure there's not just something coming from within yourself. Because your flesh is very clever. Your flesh will make you think that you are prepared to do all kinds of things or that you don't need to do certain things to get closer to the Lord. Well, that's already a mistake. You don't ever find excuses to not get close to the Lord. We should be in regular prayer all day long. And the Lord may, as I was sitting in bed this morning, call some things to your attention about stuff you need to ask for forgiveness for. He'll bring it to mind. If you have the heart and mind of God, he's going to answer and address those issues when you're prepared to address them. And not a moment sooner. 
But that's what makes it great. Because God wants that relationship with you where you guys are, you, both of you, you and the Lord are right in tune with each other. In those moments when he's speaking to you about this thing, and he does it with love, by the way. He doesn't chastise you. We've lived a life as it is, right? Where we know there's things we've done in our life we don't like. We've sinned. And we ask for forgiveness. And sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of those things. But at the end of the day, guess what? You have a great relationship with the Lord while you're dealing with those things. Remember that old expression? It's not really an old expression. It's a relatively new expression from a commercial. Life comes at you fast. Life does come at you fast. Sometimes you don't have a chance to really think about what's happening. And part of the message today is going to talk about that a little bit, too. It's going to be talk about how things happen in our lives. And we try to label those things as something that they probably really shouldn't be when it comes to being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we need to understand that God indeed allows a lot of things to happen in our lives if for no other reason than to develop a relationship with us as closer. Live with your face toward the dawn. This is a comment from F.B. Meyer. For though it may tarry long, it will certainly break. And we need to make sure that we're living in such a manner where we're being obedient to the Father. Uh, Turn to John chapter 3. Go back to John chapter 3, verse 21. John chapter 3, 21. This is actually during the conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. And the closing line within the passage about what we know about Nicodemus and the encounter with Jesus. Verse 21, but anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Oh, you know, this is something that in living by faith and not by sight, this is actually something that alludes to James's words when he says faith without works is dead. Look at that again real quick. Anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. There is actually a faith matter taking place here where God is going to show because of your faith that whatever you do, people will point to it and say, well, God did it ultimately. And that's exactly what you want. But it starts with you being willing to do what God says. Being willing to do what Jesus says. Taking the step of faith. Faith in the gospel does not come by logic. But as the result of obeying the highest truth that you'll know. And that's an amazing Statement. It's amazing truth. Follow on and your path will lead you out to where Jesus stands. What's the passage? Your lamp is to my is, is a lamp is to my feet and your light is to my path. He gives you direction on where to go. That's in the Psalms, right? That's a Psalm one. Yeah, it's in that area. I forget the exact passage, but that's where you'll find that. But at the end of the day, 
God wants you to go in a certain path. He wants you to follow his path. He wants you to live in truth. Living in truth sometimes can be quite revealing. Because our tendencies are to live according to ourselves. And more often than not, when we're taking the flesh into account, we want to do what we want to do. Amen? Amen. Yeah, no one's going to amen to that. <laughs> no one's going to amen to that. But it's true. We Sometimes we want to follow our own path. Um, there is an audience here, everybody, uh, those of you online, and, and it was deathly quiet when I said that. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but but we, we recognize and know exactly what that means because that applies to me, too. I'm, I'm not anybody special. I'm very blessed by God. He has been very um, amazing as far as I'm concerned in the life that I lead. But he also will call to attention things that need to be fixed. And sometimes we have an attitude problem and sometimes we need to have our attitudes fixed and sometimes we need to be checked by what God's word says. And and everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that, because God has dealt with you in that very way at some point in your life. And we need to recognize that God is gracious, though. He's very, very he's very kind and gentle, honestly. Even when he's calling something to our attention that we don't like. And he does that because he loves us. He wants us to have a relationship with him. But as long as we're in sin, we can't have fellowship with him. So that's why he calls those things to our attention. In this particular passage, we're going to look also at the Sabbath question, which was very interesting. And understand that the question is going to be about the Mosaic law which is something that had been in existence forever, when it came to circumcision, it was being made very clear that that was something that needed to be done. But Jesus was saying, well, look, you're not going to be disobedient according to Mosaic law if a kid has to be circumcised on the Sabbath. We're going to make him wait? You're going to do it early? No, there's a eight, it's eight days. And that holds true. So... Let's go back to the passage. Verse 14. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they asked. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Let me stop there for just a moment. Jesus is telling us something very, very important for us to see. Because we're carrying on. The gospel, we speak the gospel truth, right? And we talk to people about what the word is. God gave you the message to give. God is giving you the message to share with other people. Every believer still needs to make sure that they are fulfilling the calling that God gives them. And he gives it to us in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's truth that we have as a message. And we should be doing that in some way, shape, or form. Words, actions, whatever it is. The bottom line is that your actions should be pointing directly to Jesus Christ. And that's what needs to be done. My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Then verse 17. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know 
whether my teaching is from God or merely or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying the message comes from God. If you want to do the will of God, you will understand what's being said in the message. If you want to be obedient to the father, you'll understand it. Now, what does that mean in reverse? If you don't want to be obedient to the father, you don't care what the message is. It's not important to you. Plain and simple. And then verse 18, those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Speaking truth and not lies. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. Sometimes you have to test the words that are being said. Sometimes you'll have to go back and be that Berean. In Acts chapter 17, go and see that what is being said is truthful. And we should all be doing that. It's not about taking my word for it. I mean, if you take my word for it, God bless you and thank you. But from a human standpoint, the answer is no, don't do that. You need to go check it out for yourself. And see if I'm saying something that's cockamamie or something is true. And that's what we have to look at here. Those who attempt to know God's will and do it will intuitively know Jesus is telling the truth about himself. The people there in the temple, the audience there, if they believed in Jesus, they believed what he was saying. They believed that he was the Messiah. Because the Spirit reveals it to you. If you desire, understand something, it starts with you believing. You have to believe first. And then the Spirit reveals it to you. That's how it works. It's not the other way around. It's not putting the cart before the horse. Jesus doesn't pour holy juice down into your body and then you decide to believe. You have to believe first. And then he will show you what you need to understand. How do you know if someone's telling you the truth? Their words should agree with and not contradict with the Bible. The words need to agree with the Bible, not contradict it. And you have to understand, sometimes people will say things like those people on TV. Some guys on TV, not all of them, some of them, they'll add things within their platform in order for them to either raise money or have special interests or something like that. I, honestly, you know, that's the thing that we have to be very cautious about. There are a lot of people out there that want to have their ears tickled. There are a lot of people out there that want to hear something, some special revelation from God. Well, that is a tool of Satan. Because God has already revealed to us in his word everything we need to know. 
if there's anything extra coming at you, I would just turn around and run from it or turn that person off the TV. You don't need to be watching somebody like that. That's being clever. That's getting attention for yourself. Verse 18 again. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. These are Jesus' words. But a person who seeks to honor one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. That implies those who want to speak glory for themselves are liars. Or they'll speak half-truths. Well, that's a lie anyway, isn't it? So we need to recognize that. Let's go back to the passage. John chapter 7, verse 19. And this is now where Jesus starts to point to certain members of the audience in the temple. Not everybody, but some of them are there. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. Well, now that's a direct accusation. (laughs) And who is he talking to? The Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the ones who were, by design, and this is what I mean by adding things to Scripture, by design, they were trying to achieve holiness by keeping the meticulous rules that they put forth and added to God's laws. Of course, Jesus took issue with this because those laws, those rules, were not bringing people to the Lord. If anything, they were making people feel defeated and feel like they weren't achieving what they should have been. The Pharisees were not very cool, not cool at all. They wanted attention for themselves. They wanted money for themselves. So Jesus accused them that they didn't keep Moses' laws. Well, that's the worst thing you can tell somebody in their position. Because that's exactly what they professed to do. But Jesus was saying, you're not keeping Moses' laws. You're not doing what he's saying. You're not following what he's talking about. They were pompous. They were prideful. They were arrogant. They didn't really care about other people. And they weren't even fulfilling anything realistic. They were living far below, frankly, what the law required, what Moses' law required. Moses' law, they had knowledge of. Pretty much all the first part of the Old Testament, Moses' law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, that was the law, but they weren't following it. They were adding their own things in to try to get attention. And of course, if they're talking about killing Jesus, they're secretly planning or plotting to do something, well, that was certainly against the law too. But yet there they were. Jesus' followers should do more than what the moral law requires. Not by adding to the law, but by going beyond and beneath the mere do's and don'ts of the law to the spirit of the law. Now, here's the thing. The best thing to do will be obedient to Jesus. Jesus said he's the fulfillment of the law. If you're obedient to Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about all the details. You can go back and look at them if you want to. 
But at the end of the day, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Be obedient to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Stay in tune with Jesus. Stay prayerful with Jesus. Focus on him. That's going above and beyond the law. The law had a lot of stuff into it that was necessary to get people to understand the importance of worship and praise of God. And there were rituals that were associated with that. Animal sacrifices, giving spices for gifts. Being sacrificial means what? You're giving of yourself. That's the very nature of being a believer in Jesus Christ. You have to give of yourself. You can't be selfish. You can't hold back. How did God feel about the priests when they were offering spot, spotted lambs or spotted uh, calves instead of the firstborn or the ones that were without spots? He didn't like it. They weren't giving their best. They were being selfish. They wanted to keep the best for themselves. That's what we're talking about here. Going beyond the law. Going to the spirit of the law, what that represents. Look at verse 20, back in John chapter 7. The crowd replied, you're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Notice how they always have to play that demon card with Jesus, saying that he's possessed, he's this, he's that. And you have to understand that Satan does that to sometimes get us off our game, too. We have to understand that sometimes we have to be the ones to discern what's truth and not take somebody else's word for it. But they're trying to throw people off in the crowd by saying, you're a demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? And you have to understand that a lot of the people in the audience uh, were not really hip to the fact that the Pharisees were trying to kill Jesus. So this was something that was being said. Let me take a look real quick. John chapter 5, verse 18. Something we covered earlier. Well, we'll start with verse 17. John chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. John 5, verses 17 and 18. It says... Jesus responded to them, my father is still working and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Let me explain something to you. That's exactly what he was doing. He wanted people to know. He wanted people to hear him say things that put himself equal to God because he was God. And of course, if anybody dares to declare himself to be like God, well, the Pharisees aren't going to like that. They're not going to take to that very well. And, they, and they're thinking immediately, well, Satan's making them think immediately, we got to get this guy out of here. He is messing our thing up. He's getting attention away from us. So that's why the crowd, there are people in the crowd speaking about the fact that he is, you know, they, they think you know, basically Jesus is, is just speaking out loud. He's t speaking, but why are these people trying to kill him? 
Well, who's, who's he referring to? You have to understand, a lot of people are still listening to Jesus and trying to figure out who he is. He just started teaching in the temple. And there's a lot of people out there. I, this brings a, an important point up. A lot of people out there are still trying to figure out who Jesus is. We don't have the ability to save anybody on our own. We're just messengers. We just speak truth. And just like I said earlier, God has to work with an individual who doesn't know the Lord until they're ready to make that decision. But that decision is going to be, okay, I believe you, or okay, no, I don't. So we are always prayerful for those people who don't know the Lord, but at the end of the day, they're still trying to figure it out. Maybe the Lord is dealing with them in some kind of way. They may have heard the gospel years and years ago. And they may have even heard one of us say something to them about the gospel. They're showing up in church periodically. They may hear something about the gospel. The gospel message needs to be spoken during every church service in some way, shape, or form. Even within the message itself, it should be happening. Because you don't know when a person's going to decide that they need to lower the Lord Jesus Christ. But God does know. So you just keep speaking the truth. Back to the passage on the home stretch here. Verse 21. Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. Verse 22. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. What patriarch are they referring to? Abraham. Abraham. When God made the covenant with Abraham, one of the requirements with that covenant, and this was even after Ishmael was born, all that stuff, right? This was when God went back to Abraham and said, I'm making a covenant with you. And you're going to name your son Isaac. That's when he put into place circumcision. That covenant is a sign for us being obedient to his covenant, recognizing his covenant. Circumcision, because God spoke it into existence at that point. So that thing had last had been around for a long time. That's what the scripture is referring to here. Began with the patriarchs, the patriarchs, the first ones, the ones to walk in faith. Remember, Abraham was credited for righteousness because he believed God. And then verse 23. For the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath. You go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Yeah, why should you be angry? You know why? Because you want to make a case against somebody. You'd just rather hold it against them, even though he was doing nothing wrong. And Jesus is pointing this out to us, as well as those in the audience. Because you have to understand, back at that time, being obedient to the Mosaic Law was everything. That was really important. So you put it right back in their faces... This is something that has been around forever. If there's a child that needs to be circumcised on the Sabbath, you better take care of it on the Sabbath. But Jesus has to point out to them their hypocrisy. 
has to be done eight days after a baby's birth. Genesis 17, verses 9 through 14, that's where you'll see it with Abraham. And also in Leviticus 12, 3, because Moses is repeating that. This rite was carried out on all Jewish males to demonstrate their identity as part of God's covenant people. Covenant people. God made the covenant with us. We responded in obedience to his words with circumcision. Covenant people. And that's to make a distinction between God's people and those who weren't God's people. If the eighth day after birth was a Sabbath, a circumcision would still be performed, even though it was considered work. Listen, it had to be done. They didn't want to give Jesus any exceptions, like I said. They just wanted to accuse him. Accuse him of anything. Have you ever been falsely accused of things? Of course you have. We all have. And sometimes people do it just to get get one up on you. To kind of knock you off balance a little bit. Keep you take you off your game if you allow them to. But you stand on truth. You always stand on truth. If you've been truthful, you there's nothing for you to be defensive about. You stand in truth. Hey, if somebody accuses you, you love Jesus Christ. What do you got to say about that? Thank you, Jesus. You stand in truth. But there will be accusers. There will be accusers. You have to understand that. Those that hate God, the first thing they do usually is reach out to those who represent God. Because they can't touch God. But they can try and mess with believers. Keep that in mind. So they make the accusation. And then finally, verse 24, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Look inside yourself. And make sure that you indeed are in tune with what God's will is for you and your life. Make sure that your behavior is that that would be called exemplary before the Lord. Make sure that you are looking internally so that your external actions truly are living out the goodness of God. Faith without works is indeed dead. But you demonstrate your faith by what you do before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your teaching today. We are thankful for your understanding, your wisdom, your knowledge. We thank you, Lord, for imparting to us how you speak to our very hearts, our minds. We want to reason and understand that, Lord, we have a lot of work to do sometimes to stay in fellowship with you. But, Lord, let us continue to Focus on your word and focus on what you have to say. Lord, we want to be prayerful each day that we're in your will. We want to be prayerful that we indeed recognize your word for what it really is, truth. 
And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to remove anything that makes us double-minded before you. We want to be focused on you in all things. We want to rejoice because of your presence in our lives. We want to live in peace with others, even though others may not want to do the same. We want to speak your truth openly and boldly when we're called upon. And Lord, we know that even though we speak truth, there will be people out there who rather have their their ears tickled, rather have those things in their own hearts to be true. But Lord, you've told us the heart can be exceedingly wicked. Lord, may we not be wicked. May we indeed look to you, cleanse our hearts, clear our minds, keep us focused on your goodness, your truth, and your word. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Stay online and uh, keep attuned to the message today. Is there such a thing as luck for those of you online? And for those of you coming to Akron, we'll see you in a few moments. Take care of yourself. God bless you. God bless you. And we'll see you next time.